Evan, you got one more episode with uh, Tim Brothers for the 1984 AJM figures. Which ones they will do on this episode? Uh, this time they're going to do uh, Iron Sheik, um, Hulk Hogan, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Well, we'll see how they like them. Should be another good show. I'm excited for it. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everyone, this is 80s Wrestling Fan Brian, back for another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures, and I've got the fully posable guys back with me, the two brothers, uh, the Toon brothers actually, Scott and Jeff. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, sitting around talking to you, it's been fun, man. Uh, well, I mean, we, we, we're talking to you first, this is the first time we talked to you today. I mean, kayfabe, kayfabe is I haven't heard from you guys in quite a while. So yeah, it's been a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the A's turned around their season. The Giants uh, have made the playoffs. They're about to go to the World Series. So Uh, yes, forty nine ers are four and zero. This is going to be good stuff, man. Trey oh, Lance has taken over true. for Dak Prescott, and he's uh, he's got a he's two and one because Prescott lost the first game. So we <laughs> head towards the weekend. Um, oh, forecasting, forecasting. <laughs> yeah, are you guys? I I meant to ask. I'm guessing you guys were big A's fans if you're going to the Coliseum all the time, right? Uh, as kids, yes. Now, grew not up. so much. Yeah, are you uh, Giants fans now, or did you uh, get some other team you like? Well, I've always been a Giants fan, and uh, Scott has uh, Scott was an A's fan because he loved Canseco, and uh, now more days he's become a Yankees fan. Uh, he actually he was always a Yankees fan thanks to Don Mattingly. Yeah, but uh, I'll let Scott answer that. But I was always a Giants fan. Unfortunately, Mom wouldn't take us over the bridge to go to giants games yeah if we weren't going to go to the cow palace for wrestling we weren't going to candlestick for giants games <laughs> exactly and it sucked because i was such a huge will clark fan and i always wanted to watch will clark play but yeah. mom, mom wouldn't take us over the bridge to go to uh candlestick so but what mom did was she always took us to a's games and, and primarily that bay bridge series too so you would get to see clark play exactly so we would go to the preseason game before they would start up you know the season and stuff like yeah that. before interleague play they had a little series before the season started it was a very end of spring training where the a's would play the giants yep. didn't count for anything except for bragging rights really yeah exactly so uh but mom always took us to a's games so we saw canseco mcguire walt weiss carney lansford and you know we could rattle off those teams because we were there almost every single weekend to go into those a's games during the summer yeah i remember one season i think it was 88 the Yankees played the A's. I want to say it was like 12 times and the A's beat the Yankees every single time. And wow. I was like, Oh, this sucks. Like I'm a huge Mattingly fan and I'm watching him get his ass beat by the A's in person. This is awful. <laughs> and what about, uh, what about football? Do you guys, uh, were you Raiders fans growing up or 49er fans or didn't watch football much? No, we grew up a 49er family at the beginning. Um, mom was a Raiders fan. Then they moved to LA. She switched over to the Niners because of that move. And so, yeah, that's Jeff's absolutely right. We started off a 49er family. Yeah, we started off a 49er family. Um, but I became a Buffalo Bills fan and Buffalo Bills fan to this day. There was a yeah, you're wearing a Bills hat now. Yeah, I'm actually wearing a Bills hat now getting ready for the season. But 
it was one of those things. I remember I was sick and I was watching this Jim Kelly guy and I'm like, wow, that guy was, that was fun to watch, you know? And then I watched him again the following season. And I was like, where is Buffalo? I don't know where Buffalo is, but this team is so fun to watch. They were a lot of fun to watch. Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas, Jim Kelly yep. on defense. You had Bruce Smith. They were a lot of fun to watch. And so I started following this Buffalo team more and more and more. And the next thing I know, I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. And I kind of denounced the 49ers. I was like, well, I'm exiting stage left on the Niners and I'm going to this Buffalo team. Yeah, screw this Montana guy. <laughs> I like this yeah. Kelly guy instead. This greatest football player of all time, Jerry Rice. He can go kick rocks. I'm going to follow this Jim Kelly guy. Yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the other side of the country, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I didn't know at that time. I still didn't know where Buffalo was at that time. And I pretty much stayed a Niner fan all the way. Like I got into the Saints and the Falcons in the early 90s. And the yeah. Falcons was primarily because of Deion Sanders. I was a huge Deion fan. That was until he switched over to the Cowboys. Uh, but I, I basically stuck with the Niners all the way through, but I don't watch football anymore like I used to. And honestly, I think that's because fantasy football just burned me out. I just yeah, I, I've I never... was so wrapped up in fantasy football. And I think it just it burned because I was literally watching football from the moment I woke up in the morning until that final snap on Sunday night. And doing that for 16, 18 weeks out of the year, uh, great <laughs> it became a grind for me anyway and i've kind of just i've lost that flavor for football and honestly i think it's fueled my love for baseball even more by not watching football so i've kind of gotten out of football i still kind of keep tabs on it here and there i just don't watch it anywhere near what i used to yeah totally yeah and uh and i could see the bills especially if you're like 11 12 13 14 years old and they're going to the super bowl every year and you're seeing them just kick ass the entire season so i can see for uh for jeff gravitating towards the bills for sure yeah it's one of those things i never lost my after i made the switch back in 88 89 i think it was 89 90 anyways ever since i made that switch i've never lost my love for that team and i i get pissed at him quite a bit but <laughs> you know yeah and the crazy part is is you're friends with two bills fans that live local yeah exactly so Funny story. I'll tell this one real quick. Uh, ninth grade English. I go, sorry. Yeah. Ninth grade English. I sit down and there's a kid sitting to my left and I look over at him and I go, uh, Hey man, what's up? He goes, Hey, I don't know. him. my first time meeting him, first day of school. And I look over at him and I go, are you a Buffalo bills fan? Like the most random of question. <laughs> he, looks yeah. at, he looks at me and he goes, dude, I love Jim Kelly. And I was like, Oh really? And I said, do you like wrestling? And he goes, Undertaker's my favorite wrestler. To this day, we're still best friends. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was like that moment in uh, Step Brothers. You're like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, still good friends to this day. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I also wanted to ask you guys, did you ever lose any of your accessories as far as your uh, uh, figures in general, but LJN figures particularly? Thank God for Scott. Um, Scott would take the accessories and put them into a Ziploc bag or he had a Three Musketeers tin. Yeah, it was like was, a Christmas gift. It, it had in, like some bars in it. And it was in the shape of a locker, like a high school locker. And Scott would always take the accessories, whether it was a Galoob WCW belt or Hasbro or LJ or Junkyard Dogs chain, whatever it may be, Scott would keep it in this tin. 
Here's a funny story. Now we're going to go back to the kid that I was just telling you about that I met in ninth grade. His name's Nathan. Yeah. Nathan comes to school one day and he's sitting there and he's like, dude, I lost Razor Ramon's Hasbro chain. And I was like, oh, dude, we've got an extra one. I was, I'll just bring it to you. And he goes, are you serious? Like he was so defeated and deflated that he had lost his chain. And I was like, yeah, I'll just bring it to you. We've got an extra. So I bring it to school the next day and I give it to him. I kid you not, about two or three days later, Scott's picking me up from high school because Scott would pick me up. And Scott goes, hey, dude, you know, we're missing a Razor Ramon chain. (laughs) And I go, oh, yeah, I gave it to Nathan. What? (laughs) The look Scott gave me in that Mitsubishi Mighty Max truck. (laughs) Dude, I thought he was ready to decapitate me, dude. Like I thought I was going to have to walk home and walk home every single day till the day I graduated. (laughs) Scott looks at me and he goes, "Uh, what do you mean you gave it to Nathan? I said, Nathan lost it, lost his. And I gave it to him and he goes, okay, you are going to school the next day and you are going to get that chain back. (laughs) And he goes, "Goes, actually, you know what? I take that back. You're going to call Nathan when you get home and you were going to tell him to bring that chain to school tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, but we had an extra one. He goes, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, like I thought I was going to die right there. dude. Don't give away were... the accessories ever. So anyways, uh, I had to tell that story because <laughs> it's just so funny about how Scott was ready to kill me just for giving away that extra chain. We had. I was very protective of the accessories. <laughs> I love how you noticed that it was missing. That's pretty amazing. Mental inventory. Yep. I look at what we've got and I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) Something's not right. No, yeah, exactly. Something's off here. Now, could I do it now? Absolutely not. But back then, yeah, (laughs) don't play. Man. Man. And then uh, I got to ask you guys too, who's your, uh, it ties into the, my, my all time uh, biggest regret of lost accessories is the bow for storm shadow. So I have all, I think I have all my GI Joe accessories, but storm shadow, that's my favorite GI Joe ever. And I, and I still don't have his bow. So that that's the one that upsets me. Uh, which GI Joe was each of your favorites. If you had one. Do you, do you even have a favorite Jeff? Cause you I, didn't really play with Joe's growing up at all. I like the twins, the Zayma twins. Oh, Tomax and Zayma. The, uh, the Crimson Twins. I'm yeah. sorry, the Crimson Twins. They were always my favorite. Like those were, they were just jerks, but I loved them. I don't know what it was, but uh, Scott's more of the GI Joe fan, so yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that you lost Storm Shadow's bow. Um, I also lost Storm Shadow's bow because I guess I had dropped it on the carpet, and yeah. my mom vacuumed my room. Mm, yep. And it was gone forever. So I had to actually get another Storm Shadow so I could replace the bow. <laughs> Instead oh, of getting work. a different figure, I was like, nope, I have to get that bow. Again, accessory freak. I had to get that Storm Shadow back so I could have his bow in the collection. Um, gosh, I hate to sound like the the every other G.I. Joe fan on the planet, but I think Snake, Snake Eyes. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. Snake Eyes is my favorite. Yeah. it's uh, it's To me, it's almost like uh, a Hogan thing, like Snake Eyes and, and Hulk Hogan are uh, so uh, synonymous with being the favorite of like over half the fans that you know, it seems like. Yeah, and I hate to be that guy because I had like all the Joe figures up through like I think 86, 87. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just there was something about Snake Eyes. And one of my favorite action figures of all time is that 85 Snake Eyes with the silver visor. 
yeah. and uh, timber. Yep. That is, excuse me, that is probably like in terms of one through five on favorite figures ever, that's in my top five, possibly within the top three. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, seeing Storm Shadow at one of my buddy's houses and just being like, what is that? And and discovering G.I. Joe's basically. And, and it's like, I need that. And so that was, uh, that's been my favorite ever since. And, and then when I, about, I don't know, five years ago, I took all 110 GI Joes that my brother and I had and put new O-rings in all of them. Have oh, you guys wow. ever done that? Have you guys done that before yet? Never. No. Okay. So the new O-ring just fixes them right up, which is awesome. And it's kind of a cool little project to do. But when I asked my brother, I'm like, okay, so I'm fixing all these GI Joes. Do you want any? And uh, his response was, um... Well, maybe snake eyes. So I'm like, yep, sure. No problem. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. Now, have you gotten into the classified line at all? I haven't. I, I've, it's just the, again, budget and space. I was like, no, I can't, I can't dive into that. It's such a, I gotcha. Trap. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned space too. They've, they've doubled in size. So yeah, it definitely eats into the amount of space they take up for sure. Now I know Jeff is a pretty much mint on card guy. Are you the same way, Scott? I am, but maybe a little less strict about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, today when we're done uh, recording here, we're going to start cleaning up my office here, and that's going to involve opening a ton of figures uh, because I've got some detolf shelves that I want to fill up with some loose figures. So while I am primarily mint on card. I would say today it's probably more of a 75-25 kind of thing. 75% MOC, 25% loose. Do you uh, hang on to the packaging or do you toss it once you've taken it out? No, I toss it. I don't keep it. I used to with the Hasbros. I've kept all of the card backs yeah. from the Hasbros. So I've got all of those because they had the file cards on the back. But uh, with the wrestling figures, nah, I pitch them. What did you guys think of that? slaughter san diego comic con where you could basically take him out of the packaging and then you could just repackage him back up and he looks like uh like that's how he came is that how all those coliseum collection figures are or was it just the slaughter i haven't uh i haven't watched the unboxings on the others uh so the coliseum collections i believe are all like that oh i love it with the slide off yeah i I believe so i haven't taken mine out that (laughs) well yeah they've actually made it and it's super great if you're an moc guy but you like you have that that urge where you're like oh i I really want to take this figure out of the package and display it you can do that because it's almost like when you go to repackage them it was like it was never touched so it's kind of the best of both worlds and i believe the big rubber guys are like that as well I think so. Where you can slide the back off and then you could take the figure out so it was never even touched. But I don't know that I think those are the only ones that are doing that are the Coliseum collections to where you can slide the back off of it. You can do it with the retros, the RSC exclusive retros. Oh, you can. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I really like that feature. That's awesome. Yeah, same here. Great trend in uh in packaging. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we um how many cards did you guys actually go to as kids? Did you guys go to like a couple a year or did you guys uh, uh, go yeah. to more than that? Yeah, I would say one to three per year. Yeah, one to three. We went to a couple in 87. We went, our first one was in July of 86 and then we didn't go to another one till January of 87. Um, then we went to another one in 87 towards the end of the year. 
And then I think we stopped. We didn't go to any until a house show at the Oakland Coliseum. It was the Bret Hart faced Rick Martel. Oh, right. Yeah. So you're talking like early 90s. Yeah. Probably 90. Yeah, maybe. Well, it was right when Bret won the championship. And cool. so we kind of took a long hiatus from not going to shows. And you know what? And you talked about this, Brian, uh, the w, the history of WWF or WWE. And that website, I miss, we missed out on so many cards that had so many good matches. We missed out on the Hart Foundation coming around. We missed out on more demolition matches. Uh, and we missed out on so much. And it sucked because I'm like, oh, man, because – one thing I love doing is a lot of people will send me, or I'm skimming through Facebook, they'll send me cards from house shows. And I don't know why, but I like to sit there and kind of guess who won, if that's not marked down on the card. Um, I just kind of like imagining how the match went, stuff like that. I just like seeing the matches from these house shows, random house shows in, uh, you know, Podunk, Iowa or something like that. Well, dude, I'll never forget 1992. We bought tickets for a house show <laughs> and the advertised main event was the ultimate warrior versus Ric Flair. And Jeff and I are like, Oh my God, this is a dream match. This is going to be incredible. Well, warrior did what warrior tended to do back then. He bailed on the house show. So they mm -hmm. substituted him with the undertaker and you're like, okay, taker versus Flair. This should be really good. I'm excited about this, but then Flair doesn't make the house show and they substitute him with nails. <laughs> So wow. what was supposed to be the ultimate warrior versus Ric Flair turned into Undertaker versus Nails, which we we didn't skip out on the show. We still went, ended up being a squash match. It was a nine-second match. Yeah. <laughs> the bell rang, Nails charged Taker, hit the turnbuckle. Taker turned around, hit him with hit him with a choke slam or a tombstone, and the match was over right then. And they're wow. like, okay, and they're like, okay, we're going to intermission. And we're like, what the hell? Yeah, that was our main event. Okay. So, yeah, we never got to see Warrior versus Flair. And Brett and Martel headlined that, that, that night. Uh, but Flair missed out due to Vertigo. Yeah. Which having Vertigo, I uh, kudos to him even being able to wrestle at Survivor Series 92 because it was prior to Survivor Series 92 that that match happened or that house show happened at the Oakland Coliseum. Um, and White, as Scott said, Warrior did what he did. You know, he he bailed exit stage left. So, the, yeah, we ended up getting Taker Nails, dude. It was the most ridiculous thing, dude. <laughs> I'm like, how is this even a suitable replacement? <laughs> you yeah. should have cashed in. Yeah. Get a yeah. refund. Yeah, that's uh, that's similar to how people who – I didn't go to Andre, uh, Andre the Giant versus Ultimate Warrior, but I would have been upset about those squash matches about Warrior disposing of Andre in 30 seconds or less. Oh, yeah. Awful. Awful. You know, which uh, January 87, if you guys went to that show, that might have been one of those shows where they advertised it as Andre the Giant facing Randy Savage for the Intercontinental title. And then uh, Andre like gave all those matches to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So it ended up being Steamboat Savage at a lot of the arenas. I think that happened at uh, in Sacramento at the Arco Arena. I don't know if that happened in Oakland or not. <laughs> So the one I remember is in 87, the opening match, for some reason, I remember opening matches. For we never saw Andre. We never saw okay. Andre. And I, we didn't see, we definitely didn't see Steamboat and Savage. The opening match for that show was Sam Houston versus Danny Davis. Barn burner <laughs> right there. Oh Ryan. yeah. <laughs> Barn burner. <laughs> Man. Yeah. That must've been late, late January then uh, with the, uh, 
with the tunny suspension or whatever coming in uh, in in January. Uh, yeah, because that went to that Danny Davis was wrestling, so he was that would have gone to WrestleMania three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, was I, that the same one that was the same night as the Hogan Orndorff uh, cage match on Saturday Night's Main Event? I believe so. Because we had to like race home from that I that think... show to go watch Saturday Night's Main Event. Exactly. Um, Demolition was on that show. I don't remember Demolition as well. I, I think they wrestled uh, Billy Jack and Ken Patera. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because they were trying to make Ken Patera and Billy Jack a thing. And it wasn't working. I think it was those two. Or no, was I think it Billy yeah. Jack and... I think it might have been uh, might have been January eighty eight then Maybe for was, that card. Was it January eighty eight? I thought Hogan was champion. Gosh, see, uh, here it we would go have again. Been February eighty eight because uh, February fifth is when he got beat by Andre. But uh, but Billy Jack came along oh. in May of eighty seven, and so, so maybe, not Billy Jack, but Ken Patera came along May of eighty seven. Okay, so it, that match was in eighty eight. You may be you may be them. right that that. That was 88. I apologize. I got my time. I'm very old, Brian. Oh, no. (laughs) I got you beat. Yeah. (laughs) As I said, I took too many pucks to the head playing hockey. Oh, man. Which which team do you guys like more, the Bulldogs or the Hart Foundation? Why did you do this to us, Brian? Brian, (laughs) It's a tough question. It's a very difficult question. Um, For me, the Bulldogs. Nice. Uh, for me, I'm gonna have to go Bulldogs over the Hearts. Over the Hearts, the Bulldogs were so. I I can't explain like how much I love the Bulldogs. And they had such a short run, and it was a very short run. I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, it was such a short run as a tag team. But the way that they changed the game mm-hmm. was just insane. Yeah, I just I love. I can still go back, but back and watch Bulldogs matches you know, and not lose interest at all. Mm-hmm. They were just so good. Same for the hearts, yeah. but something yeah. about the Bulldogs, man. Those are like my, uh, those are my two favorite teams. It's and it's kind of flip flops as far as one a and one B. So yes. Yeah. yeah. It is and, definitely that kind of situation for sure. Yep. That. And then, uh, if you're picking the, uh, a song for JYD, do you guys prefer another one bites the dust or grab them cakes? Oh, mine is grab them cakes. You're going grab them cakes. Yes, I love another one bites the dust. But dude, grab them cakes is just so cheesy, and it, it's JYD. Like I just I love that song. I I gotta say, grab them cakes as well, man. Nice. And then yeah. uh, what about uh, what about Real American or uh, Eye of the Tiger? Oh, real American. Absolutely real American. Yes. Eye of the Tiger is Rocky. Yeah. Real American is 100% Hogan. It's so synonymous with Hogan. Like you hear it and you're like, that's Hogan. That and, opening guitar riff. Yep. Like it's just, it's, it's iconic. Yep. Jim Johnstone knew what he was doing on that one. Oh yeah. All right. And then Pomp and Circumstance or 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, the song from that, which Flair used. Pomp and Circumstance for, for Randy, of course. Hmm. Ooh, that's a good one. I gotta go savage though. You're going savage. I gotta go savage. Oh, both are so synonymous with each wrestler. Now, if you had thrown Ricky Steamboat's music in there, you mean the Chicago Bulls? Yes. <laughs> the Chicago this Bulls. would be a lot harder for me. But yeah, I gotta go savage. I'm gonna. Uh, why do you do this to us, Brian? <laughs> These ah, are the tough questions. A, another fun one. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll go. 
I'll go savage with Scott on that one. I got to. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Just uh, fun stuff that it's a, a tough choice for me. So I wanted to see if it's a tough, tough choice for you guys as well. Well, we're going to do the, we'll throw it back on you. Midnight yeah. Express or Rock and Roll Express? Oh, I'll go the Midnight's on there. Oh, that wasn't even close. That wow. That was a fast answer that was too. Fast. That was like no doubter. Uh, yeah. Country or Lane? Uh, oh, Lane is more what I'm familiar with. You know, Condry won the world title with him. I don't know if Lane did. My no, my NWA history isn't as good because we didn't get it. Did you guys have NWA in the Bay Area? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, are I, you talking about shows? Or you talking oh, no about house shows, but we got no, TBS. I mean, TV. Yeah, oh, we yeah. got TBS. Uh, our parents actually, they got cable for us when we were young. But that was, you know, talking about nostalgia, that was one of those other things. Scott and I were playing upstairs on Nintendo and parents have a tri-level house and dad would always bang on the banister to let us know that either a, someone was on the phone for us or B there was wrestling on. And so Scott and I are playing Nintendo and dad bangs on the banister. He goes, Hey guys, wrestling on channel 17. And Scott and I look at each other like it's not 10 AM. <laughs> yeah. 10, 10 AM. What are you talking about? Wrestling's over. So Scott and I pop off the Nintendo and first thing we see is Ric Flair and he's like yelling at us. And we're like, this is great. <laughs> and we were hooked. <laughs> Who's this Russian dude, Nikita Kolov? I mean, it was just, we were hooked. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, this is, this is on at four o'clock. What time does this come on? How do we watch it? So Scott and I are going through the TV guide. Oh, this is NWA wrestling. Okay. It's going to be on again next Saturday. Okay. So three o'clock, we've got to be watching this. So it became appointment viewing every Saturday at three o five. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, our cable system didn't have TBS uh, in uh, oh. where I was. So I I would scan through and like study the TV guides, and there was probably less than half a dozen times where one of the syndicated channel would show NWA where I got to, to watch some NWA. I feel like it was like two or three times. And there was probably a dozen times at least where they had UHF on like a Thursday morning at four in the morning, I could set the, the VCR to record. So I got to see, um, sorry, UWF mid South yep. is what I meant. And so, um, so yeah, with the, uh, I studied NWA and Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Hardly ever got to watch it, but uh, but Bobby Eaton, um, man, that guy is uh, among the all-time greats in the ring. Just all of his uh, maneuvers off the top rope. He's such a technician. So Midnight yeah, Express. Yeah. I mean, and I, I respect the Rock and Roll Express for sure. I, there's something about the Midnights with Cornette that uh, that I just I like a little more personally. Well, they've got uh, Figures Toy Company has that Midnight Express set coming out on September second. It looks amazing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pass. Yeah, you're passing on that. Oh yeah, yeah. I okay. just can't do it. But okay, gotcha. But, but I understand anybody that was a a fan has to. I actually in May I got to go to a, a convention in New Jersey, '80s Wrestling Con, and Randy Rose and Dennis Condry were there, and so. I got to shake hands with both of those guys and, and uh, you know, see them. There was a catering event. I got to be, be there for about oh, eight o'clock until after midnight, hanging out with uh, a bunch of different uh, old pro wrestlers and, and listen to Magnum TA tell stories and Mike Enos and all these different guys telling stories. So it was a really cool experience. 
Um, That's amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. And, uh, and Toto Atom and I got to pick a few people up from the airport. So Leilani Kai and Barbarian, we took them on one trip and then Nikita Koloff on another. So I got to <sighs> listen to stories for about a half an hour from on each of those car, car rides and, and also drive Tony Atlas around. So it was just a, a week of, uh, of experiences. So, Oh, yeah. that's amazing. That's so much fun. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. But, um, if we, uh, look at our last three LJNs of the, uh, first series, we'll start with iron Sheik. What do you guys, uh, what do you guys have stories wise and ratings wise for, uh, iron Sheik? Well, let's just say that we were actually lucky to get that figure. Uh, if you'll recall, in the 80s, there was that whole thing with the U.S. and Iran. Mm-hmm. And our mom loathed Iran so much that she 100% refused to get us the Iron Cheek figure because it said Iran down the side of his pants. Wow. 100% refused. Now, we had Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. But as a kid, how are you going to have Nikolai and no Iron Sheik? So Jeff and I had to save money and go buy him on our own because mom Ooh, flat did... out refused to get us the iron sheik. And she didn't, you didn't have to sneak around to do that. She'll let you do it as long as you spent your own money. That was the rule. She didn't want to be around when we purchased it. So our parents would drop us off at our grandparents' house and they would take us down to a little, um, a little place in Alameda called South Shore. And they had a toy store there. So Scott and I had to get the iron sheik there. So we were around our grandparents when we got it, she did not be, want to have anything to do with that figure. Yeah. And we had to spend our own money. Like that was the rule. Yep. I think she specifically told our grandparents to do not buy him <laughs> or them. The figure that has, I ran on the pants that is right out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going up and holding the box just right. So she couldn't see that. I ran. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but with all that said, I love the face sculpt. I love the pose. I love the gear that they put him in. Had they gone trunks, we would have gotten that figure way sooner. Um, the boots with the points, I just everything about that figure is so spot on 4.8. Uh, nice. I'm with Scott on this one, 4.6 for me. Uh, it's such an iconic figure. And, it is, yes. Good word for it, yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about playtime with the LJNs. I, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov always used yeah. every show that we would put together they were always used and be it as a single as a tag yep because they would fit either so yeah every every time we played wrestling figures the ljns they were absolutely at every playtime yeah they're like you said singles or tag now i know you guys said that slick wasn't one of the ljns you had right but, uh when you guys think of uh which managers fit best with the which team would you go with blassie or slick when you think of uh Sheik and volkov i go blassie i go blassie as well nice yeah and that's got to be wrestlemania one yeah yeah what cane i didn't have no cane yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good Man. that was really good wow <laughs> Oh my God, was that was that Blassie? <laughs> Blassie that jumped onto the pod real quick. Wow, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes Andre comes along, but yeah. I was about to say, uh, is, are you gonna do Blassie uh, ordering in and out too? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think okay, I could. Got it. Got it. <laughs> it has to happen organically, dude. You can't like it. Yeah, but, yeah, what was funny is I was in the line for In and Out uh, at like I don't know, it was eight forty-five at night. And the line was pretty long. I'm like, oh, you know what? I got an idea. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I, 
I actually, yeah, since I'm in the, the car, I could actually roll down the window and have the perfect sound effects for it and <laughs> and then play the part of the other guy. And, and then I was like, how am I going to remember how many uh, different types of burgers and shakes and fries Andre wants? <laughs> I'm like, when I'm for being the other guy, for being the guy taking the order to read it back. And I was like, oh, I'll go with, I'll go with 49ers QBs. That's what I'll do. So <laughs> that was like 16 double doubles, 14, 13. So. 80 shakes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but uh, uh, moving on from the Iron Sheik into the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan. Uh, what do you guys give this iconic figure? And how many Hulks did you guys end up buying? Did you uh, just have one original Hulk and then add the red and white uh, versions that came uh, in 88? Did you have all three and how many of them? So we only had one and that was because Scott was asking for the LJNs and he got it at Christmas time, uh, as he had mentioned earlier. Um I didn't get one because I wasn't into wrestling figures at the time because the way I got into wrestling figures is because of Scott and Scott got up that Christmas night because our parents used to have a party and it was every Christmas Eve. So Scott received the Hulk Hogan. Scott got up to thank everybody for his gifts. So I, you know, being the little brother, I was curious and I went over and I picked up the LJN and I was like, this thing's stupid. It doesn't move. You know, there's no, there's no like, articulation to it and so i put it down and i didn't think anything of it well christmas was a couple days later so we're sitting downstairs and like us little kids we were leaving our toys that we got for christmas out and sure enough hogan comes on the tv 10 a.m channel 2 and i'm like what is this and i'm looking at the tv and then all of a sudden i'm like wait a second that looks like and i look to my left and there's the hulk hogan ljn and I'm like, what is this? Next thing I know, I'm asking mom, mom, can I get wrestling figures too? <laughs> and yeah. so she she got me a Hogan. She got me a Sheik. She got me a Volkoff as well as Scott. Uh, she got us all of them, all of series one. And so that's, you know. No Iron Sheik though. Oh, I apologize. I apologize, Scott. Scott correct <laughs> oh, JYD, we got all of them. Anyways, uh, we were getting two Hogans. Yeah. So the we got those two Hogan's. We never got the white shirt Hogan because yeah, that second release Hogan we wouldn't buy duplicates because uh, we had to go through to get those figures. At that time, they weren't uh, released to us locally. Uh, so we were trying Hayward Toys R Us. I was seeing them in magazines. Uh, in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, there was an ad for the wrestling ring. Yeah, and they were located back east, and they always had brand new figures that they were showing. So I'm seeing like Demolition Axe. Uh, DiBiase, Honky Tonk Man, Warlord, Ultimate Warrior. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, where are these figures at? Because our Toys R Us is still stuck at like Outback Jack. <laughs> you yeah. know, like where are the new figures? And they're showing like black cards. And I'm like, what is that? They're still blue. <laughs> so I'm like panicking. So finally, our parents agree because we're not finding them here. They agree to buy them through the wrestling ring. And with that said, those figures carried a price tag were they were like 15 bucks, 20 bucks. I think, the, I think they were like 16.99 or something. Yeah. yeah. So basically twice as much as you were paying in some cases, three times as much as you were paying at Toys R Us. So at that point we had to get way more selective about which figures we were asking for and then which figures we could actually get. So when we saw another Hogan, as much as we loved it, we would rather have a set of heart foundation or 
a Honky Tonk Man or a DiBiase instead of another Hogan for the collection. So unfortunately, we didn't get that second Hogan, either the white shirt or the red shirt. We we had to pass on that one. Well, the other part, the other flip side to that story is I was such a huge Strike Force fan and I needed the White Trunks Tito because we were already getting Martel. Yeah. But I needed the White Trunks Tito. And yeah. Scott's they like, got a match. You can't have the, the Blue Trunks Tito exactly. with the White Trunks Martel. That doesn't work. And Scott's like, dude, we could get Hogan or we could get another Hogan or something like that. And I'm like, but it's Strike Force. It's Tito you know, and like, White Trunks. It's they're in the White Trunks. And Scott <laughs> gave in. He's like, you're such a bastard. I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> cried at WrestleMania for you. <laughs> so we, instead of getting the Hogan, we actually got the Tito and White Trunks. Hindsight's always 2020, dude. But yeah, yeah. Well, you got that's it's hard to pass on that when it's one of your favorite teams. I know, I know, man. I was I popped so huge when they beat the Heart Foundation. I was going crazy when they beat the Heart Foundation and won the belts, and that was so ex- unexpected. We, you know, it was on a Saturday morning show. Yeah, we didn't see it coming. Title titles did not change hands on those. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, not often. The very first yeah. one I I saw in real time, or you know, as it happened, it was the uh, the Heart Foundation beating the Bulldogs with the That's right. Danny Davis. The Bulldogs, yep. Yeah, exactly. That was and that was another shocker too. It was. But when yeah. you say wrestling figures the first thing that pops into my head is LJ and Hogan. Mm -hmm. Like that one, as I mentioned earlier, like every kid in the eighties, it seems had an LJ and Hogan and a set of the Remco road warriors. That was like a staple in so many toy collections from, from kids in the eighties. So when you say wrestling figures, that is the image that pops in my head. In fact, one of our t-shirts is a silhouette of the LJ and Hogan. It's kind of like when you look at the MLB logo or the NBA logo, it's yeah. just a silhouette. If you did it, a shirt that just said wrestling figures, the logo should be that Hogan LJN. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with that said, I don't do this often. That figure's a five. Oh, wow. Ooh, nice. Yeah, that figure's a five. It had the black belt instead of the brown tag belt. Yeah. The face sculpt was great. The pose was great. The leg was crooked so you could do the, the leg drop. So it had everything you wanted in an LJN to do moves it looked like them. It came with a title. It's, it's, I it literally like it is the icon of wrestling figures. So, yeah, for me, it's a five. Very uh, cool. Yeah, going four, six on that one. Um, it, like Scott, Scott said it perfectly. It's just an iconic figure. So, yeah, I'm going to go four, six on that one. And not to mention, it was at every single playtime with LJNs. Yes. Hogan headline. Well, that is until you got the Ultimate Warrior figure. Hogan was headlining every and, single LJN yeah. card you had. Now, which guy were each of you uh, rooting for at WrestleMania six? Hogan or Warrior? Oh, man. That, see, that was the first time I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Like, I was so torn. Like, I was a huge Ultimate Warrior fan. I mean huge so that bit of me really wanted to see warrior win but then there was that sentimental part of me like since i've been watching wrestling hogan has been the guy right so you're kind of like it's it's going to be a huge change if hogan loses the title he's been the top guy for as long as i've been watching so the the big big fan in me wanted warrior to win but there was that sentimental side that was like i don't want to see hogan lose like he's been the guy but i i wanted warrior to win See, I was a young Mark, and I knew Hogan was going to go be the basis for Metallica. 
<laughs> Wait, that didn't happen? <laughs> but Hogan said he was almost the basis. <laughs> no, uh, I was a Hogan guy. Uh, I liked Warrior. I thought Warrior was cool, but I didn't want to see Hogan lose. Hogan was the guy, like Scott just said, so I didn't want to see Hogan lose. So I was rooting for Hogan on that one. Well, I was I was rooting for Warrior, and I was even rooting for uh, Savage the year before. And and almost got tricked into thinking he had a chance, but <laughs> but, uh, but no, but it, you know, I had a feeling with Warrior, and it happened. And and like say, I was glad I was a big Warrior fan. Also, I was kind of gravitated towards the uh, the second guy below. Like uh, you know, Piper was was my guy versus my you know best friend Eric was a big Hulkamaniac or. Or like I love Joe Montana and all the Super Bowl wins, but I also love the struggle of Steve Young. So when I talk about like my favorite 49er of all time, it's actually Steve Young. I just love the struggle of getting there. And what's that? Same here. I'm a Steve Young guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I just and and I got to. It, it probably yeah, it has something to do with it. The one time I met uh, Joe Montana, he was fairly dismissive because my buddy and I had kind of got into an area we weren't supposed to be at training camp and and so he signed for us but he wasn't like all thrilled about it whereas steve young i met him a couple different times and each time he was he couldn't have been nicer actually like hey guys how's it going so oh it, that's so cool you got to meet him i actually do have a joe montana uh just a real quick joe montana story um, yeah he was signing at southland mervyn's in hayward back in 1995 and they were going to do a total of 300 autographs that day. We got there at five in the morning. We were number 80 something in line and we were sitting there talking and he didn't come in until like one o'clock or something. So we were there a really long time and they bring in Montana and the whole time we're sitting there because you were with me, mm -hmm. you, it was you and our friend, John. Um, I was like, when we get in there, Jeff, have him sign whatever you want because he was only signing a photo. It was like a, a stock photo. I was like, have him sign whatever you want on the picture, but I'm going to get ours made out to mom because mom uh -huh. is a huge Joe Montana fan. I'm like, I'm going to have mine made out to mom. So when they take you in, they had an area roped off to go back to see Montana. And he's on kind of this platform with a table sitting there. And then there's Joe Montana. So you're almost walking, you're almost like a celebrity hitting the red carpet, right? Because they have you do this big walkway thing and then you get to go see Joe Montana. So we're doing the walkway thing. And I'm like, I'm focused on Joe. I'm like, I'm going to get the picture made out to mom. We got in front of Joe Montana and I got starstruck. Yeah. And he goes, hey, what's your name? And I go, Scott. And he signs the photo to Scott, Joe Montana. Here you go, kid. Yeah. And off I go just... and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like Ralphie in a Christmas story when he gets to Santa. <laughs> Dude, that was exactly it. Yes, 100%. I was like. A stars, football? Like stars in my eyes yeah like <laughs> a football yeah exactly <laughs> i didn't get to ask for the red rider bb gun on a second chance none of that sent on my way and i was like oh man <laughs> i totally screwed up <laughs> oh man that's great that's a great story though yeah yeah that was my fail at meeting joe montana <laughs> oh shoot man well uh our final uh ljn figure for review uh and my favorite uh rowdy rowdy piper I love that figure. I do too. But he's got a shirt on. No, that shirt doesn't affect him. <laughs> I'll go first. That one's a 4-8, man. Uh, even though Hogan is more iconic, the Piper figure with the left arm cocked up, 
The soft goods accessory. The soft goods accessory. Which you didn't get a lot of those. The, uh, I'm going for eight on that one. I love that figure so much, man. I really do. Pipe, it, it Good pose, good sculpt. It doesn't capture Piper perfectly, but it's damn near close to what you can get for 80, 84 technology. You, you know? know who it is when you look at it. Exactly. For eight. Uh, you know what? I'm going to agree 100%. I'm going for eight on Piper. I love the soft goods kilt. Um, the coloring on it is great. I think the head sculpt is fantastic. The pose is good enough to do plenty of moves with it. Um, again, the only nitpick is he's got his shirt on. And yes, it's the hot ride, the iconic shirt, but damn it. <laughs> like, I, I would have used him more if he didn't have the shirt on. But he was such a heel back when we got that figure that he was always at the top of the card, wrestling your big names, getting a lot of wins because Piper didn't take L's back then. He had Cowboy Bob do all that for him, which was great when you got Cowboy Bob to go with him. But uh, yeah, I'm going for it on Piper. I'm right there with you 100%. Very cool. Yeah, the uh, the funny thing is, too, is when they brought him out, he's like the top heel and uh, you know can rival Hulk as far as charisma on the, on the heel side, though. But they give him this great big baby face smile on the figure. I love the, uh, <laughs> the juxtaposition of giving him this amazing, happy Roddy Piper smile on a, when he's a, a heel figure when it comes out. So It worked way better in 87. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in late 86. Yeah, it's... Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I think uh, it was just the anniversary of... Um, him uh, coming back after WrestleMania two and going on uh, the flower shop in, in late August of 86, where he told Adrian, the boss is back and he wants his show back. And, and then uh, the next week he, he goes against AJ Petrucci and puts one of his hands in the back of his trunks after Petrucci uh, slaps him and, and just beats the hell out of AJ Petrucci on uh, and gets cured by the fans wildly. And then that's when I was like, Oh, this, this is the guy, this is who I'm, this is who my favorite is. And ever since that's been my favorite guy. So you know, that is good knowledge right there, man. You know, it's funny, Ryan, is I texted Tim and I was like, the memory on Brian to remember all this stuff. And he goes, dude, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just certain things. So, yeah. Um, so before we sign off, I do want to ask. Yeah. What, what is your score on the Rick rude LJN? Oh, let's see here. <laughs> Way to bring the show down. Right. Yeah. Wow. Now, I, I, uh, it's kind of like the, um, the Indiana Jones movies and how the fourth one, the crystal skull uh, is still an Indiana Jones movie. So, <laughs> so I still, yeah. I'd I still give that one four stars, even though I'd give five stars to Raiders of the Lost Ark and, <laughs> uh, and the last crusade. This and, is like uh, your buddy that did all fives on the LJNs, except for Andre with a 4.5. Exactly. So with Rick Rude, <laughs> I'm going to probably say uh, that tattoo is very well done. Um, I like that they wrote ravishing on his boots, um, but that little anchor tattoo on the one arm, uh, they built him way too large. So like when you put him next to Jake, the snake Roberts, he towers above him. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. point. Too pink in the hue, uh, of the skin. Um, it almost looks like he has lipstick on, whereas I don't think they did that for any other figures, but they give him this little touch of lipstick under his mustache. Um, so there's all these problems with it. 
Uh, and that, like I say, it looks like he's about to rip off his tights uh, or pull them down and reveal a Cheryl Roberts tights. Um, <laughs> I'll go uh, three six, and that's that's probably as about as low as I'll end up going on LJNs or close to it. But yeah, three six for me. Man, I, I was gonna give it a point six, but uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm in the ones. <laughs> I'm like, wow, but you that three point six is I... great. I like hearing everybody's uh, opinion about that figure of what he's doing. So when I saw the figure, I thought he was doing that thing where he would kind of, kind of like do his pre-match pose and then he would kind of bring up his arms around his pecs and then kind of flick it. That's the, where I thought that figure was going was he was kind of like doing that. So it's interesting to hear what everybody's opinion is of what that pose is exactly. It's like that, or he's just surveying the land, but he's, it's almost like his thumbs are going into his trunks. He's like, he's a dad watching TV. And relaxing. <laughs> I was going to say Al Bundy. Yeah. Al Bundy yeah. style. <laughs> Got both thumbs are down the, the front of his trunk. So like I say, he's, I think he's about to rip those tights off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh man. Hey, uh, Jeff and Scott, I cannot thank you guys enough for recording these three shows with me and for all that you both do and have done for the wrestling figure community. Uh, five years. Um, hold on a second. I got somebody here. I've come here for one reason. <laughs> Congratulate Scott and Jeff on five years of fully possible to podcast. Uh, five years is a long time. Th- th- thanks, Andre. <laughs> wow thank you andre wow wow andre the giant made an appearance thank you andre thank you. <laughs> all right Cassie and andre in one show that's incredible i know so so yeah as andre said man five years is a long time and uh congratulations on that achievement thanks so much for all that you guys do i i really appreciate you and all the uh all the uh, time that you've spent and given us as far as the entertainment value for your podcast. You guys are experts and you're so good at what you do. Thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you for the kind words, man. We we truly appreciate that. And one of the coolest parts of doing this show is meeting fans like you and meeting listeners like you and the knowledge that you have, dude, like you've blown Jeff and I away. So thank you for the kind words about us, but man, you bring it too. So thank you for what you're doing as well. I'm gonna, I'm also going to flip this back on you, Brian. Thank you for uh, putting a spotlight on the LJN figures. The, for sure. The yes. LJN figures are a huge staple of Scott and I's childhood. And I mean, from the second Scott got that Hogan LJN, you know, it didn't stop until the Hasbro's started. I mean, it, we were just so passionate about that. And, and crushed when we got Hasbro's because that meant LJNs were done. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it, we thank you for putting a spotlight on that with uh, a lot of our friends, you know, Breaker, Tim, Drew. I mean, just putting a spotlight on it. It's just, we want to flip that and say thank you to you. Definitely. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. So, uh, geez, guys. Um, best of luck on the detolf and uh, <laughs> future shows and uh, dealing with the crows. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I did want to say um, there's a lot of opportunities for a fully posable prick action figure, but you may not want to go to the venue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll see if Jason Wolf was interested in putting it together a crow prick uh, thank you, but uh... like I say, there's all kinds of variants that you could have. And 
chase figures, but um, <laughs> it might be an adult market. So <laughs> very possibly. <laughs> well, uh, Brian, we also want to extend a, uh, a handout to you to have you on our show. And oh. you know, one, we'll, we'll get together, we'll get that all lined up, but we want to have you on, man. Oh, I'd love it. That, it's so much fun talking to you guys. I just could talk to you forever. So absolutely, um, man. Again, thanks so much for uh, for coming on here and for letting me into your world. And I, I really appreciate you guys. Okay. Thanks for having us, thanks, man. Brian. All right. You guys take care for uh, Legendary Wrestling Figures. Uh, another awesome uh, episode in the books with some amazing guests. Thank you, everybody out there for listening and take care. The Skull and Jake did a very nice job. They did do a good job. I knew they'd take it seriously. Well, uh, perhaps we play that uh, commercial we made uh, before for them. That would be a nice way to send them off, right? That would be a nice way to send it off. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Hello. Do any of you guys remember the people mover at Disneyland? It was a perfect way to take your feet off the ground. Sit back, relax, enjoy what's going on around you. So if you feel like having that feeling while you're hard at work, gardening, doing, uh, I don't know, painting wrestling figures, and you want to have something make you feel like you relaxed and just taking in the scenery, listen to the fully possible wrestling figure podcast. He's Scott and Jeff, the Tune Brothers, and they've been doing it a long time. In fact, it's the longest-running episodic wrestling figure podcast. So again, if you want to feel like you're on the People Mover podcast, listen to Jeff and Scott, fully posable wrestling figures, the podcast. <laughs>